our friend Titus. He was 14 years old and passed away a few months ago from cancer. Every time I think about it, I think about his mom saying these words to us. It's beautifully horrific. Horrific because I have to watch my 14-year-old son walk through this and there's nothing like it. But it's beautiful because I see his faith. I see what God is doing. I see the beauty of what God is. And she said the way that they arrive at that part of it, the beautiful part, was worship. Worship was the thing that they had to keep coming back through to keep breathing. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Welcome back to the Real Talk Podcast. My name is Anson, along with Kara and Isaac. So happy to be with you today. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. The last couple of episodes have been really fun, guys. I've really enjoyed recording them with you, yeah. having discussions about Kanye West and about having fun. They're yeah. both kind of fun episodes. Yeah, yeah they fun. are. And so we decided to really throw things up this time and go in the complete opposite direction of fun <laughs> and have a really dark and depressing episode about suffering. Yay. How does that sound? Oh, I brought lollipops and yo-yos to this episode. Was that wrong? <laughs> oh, we need to turn the lights response. off in here Sorry. and make yeah. it real dark and Anson's scary. wearing sackcloth right now. I've <laughs> <laughs> got some ashes over ashes. here. Man, <laughs> getting serious. Yeah, we're getting down and dirty in this week's episode about suffering. We've been talking about this for a while, kind of dancing around the fringes of the subject. I feel like through several different episodes this season, this concept of suffering has come up multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of decided, you know what? We've been skirting around it long enough. We need to dive in on this core issue itself on suffering. Yeah. Yeah. I think specifically back to the one about calling where Mm -hmm. we talked about how we have this idea that, oh, if I'm in a job or in a place in life where things start to get hard, I must be in the wrong place. And that is something that we all struggle with, not just in vocation, but in all parts of life. Yes, totally. What we really want to talk about are two key questions. Question number one is why do we suffer? You could rephrase this question a few different ways, but this is a very common theological debate that comes Mm -hmm. up. And it's even brought up a lot of times by people outside of the Christian faith as a proof that there's something fundamentally wrong Mm. with Christian belief. How can a all good and all powerful God allow bad things to happen? Mm -hmm. How can God allow suffering in the world? It doesn't make a lot of sense on the surface, right? Mm -hmm. If God is good, then he wouldn't allow bad things to happen. Or maybe God's just not powerful enough to stop bad things from happening. Right. Either way, that means God is not a good God or not a powerful God. Mm -hmm. And either of those would mean God is not a God worth worshiping. So this is a really key question yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Christian belief that we have to tackle before we can move on to the second question, which is how then do we suffer? If suffering is part of our existence, how do we deal with it? How do yeah. we cope with suffering, especially knowing that there are multiple calls in Scripture from Paul and Peter that Christians are to rejoice in suffering? Yeah. And it's like, what do we even do with that? Because It's one thing to say, okay, hey, there's going to be some suffering. You got to grin and bear it or try to get through it as best you can. But no, they don't just say get through it. 
They say rejoice in the middle of it. Yeah. And that's kind of an intimidating call, is it not? Kind of. Yeah, a little bit. I think there's been times in my life where people have used that verse in a way that's been tricky. It made mm-hmm. me angry like yeah. because when you're in the middle yeah. of that suffering, the pain that you're in, you're like, really? Really? You're going to throw that at me? Yeah, but rejoice in it. Rejoice. Yeah. You're like, going, that's when you're about to catch a shoe if you tell right. me to rejoice like, when I'm really going through right. What does that that's mean? Okay. So, right. Yeah. So figuring out how do we deal with that call that is very yeah. clear in scripture yeah. i mean it's there it's right a thing. how do we do that in a way that's respectful to other people's suffering right. but also is faithful to what god's word is asking us to do yeah so we're going to tackle both of those questions why do we suffer and how do we suffer on today's conversation but first we're going to go to real life boss level straight to it. My real life boss level for this week is not feeling very motivated lately. Yikes. This is something that doesn't actually hit me that often, but when it does, I have a really hard time coping with it and dealing with it. I have some things in my life lately, some projects that I've been working on both here at work and outside of my vocation where I feel like not a lot of progress is being made. Yeah. Mm. And when that measurable progress in a project starts to be diminished, I start to lose my motivation. Yes. Mm-hmm. When, when I can see the goal or the finish line getting closer, it keeps me motivated to do more. I'm yeah. like, that feels good. I like making progress. I want to make yeah. some more. And then when the progress slows or even grinds to a halt, yeah. all of a sudden I go, why am I even doing yeah. this? Yes. The work, <laughs> is the work that I'm putting into this really worth it? Yeah. And as soon as I start to ask that question, I start to go, I don't really want to do all this work yeah. if yeah. I'm not going to see the results in the way I want to see them. Yeah. Oh so I think seasonal depression, the big sad is very mm. real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Around this time of the year, between like November and February, the level meter is just cranked up to very hard mm. from hard. And it's yes. just kind of hard to tackle all of that. It just feels. Bleh. I relate to this so hard. <laughs> I've been struggling with it lately as well. And like you said, it can be connected to depression, but also just when you're not seeing progress, there's a lot of things in our life that I feel like are not measurable. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a lot of things that we will work on that it's just hard to see the progress in. it's invisible stuff. And that's kind of exhausting and demotivating when you just have to keep doing it over and over and over. I think another big part of that too, is when you're in the phase of a project where you're building a foundation for something or you're kind of establishing roots in something, there's a lot less visible progress because you're kind of setting things up ideally for future success or future progress to be made, but you're not necessarily seeing the fruit of that just yet. It's all under the surface right Right. now. And so if we want to go with the plant metaphor early on, that planting portion where you're waiting on something to shoot up is really, really tough because you just want to see the big, huge tree with all the fruit and all the fun stuff. Exactly. But it feels like it takes so long to get there sometimes. It yeah. does. And that can be hard, especially when you're used to other projects in your life where there's very measurable progress. Mm-hmm. You're a runner and you can very clearly see like, okay, at the end of this process, yeah. I've done X amount better or I need to improve this area. Yeah, a little it is bit. very easily measurable. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So in other areas like Kara is talking about where you're going, well, if it feels like you've kind of done your end of the work and uh-huh. you're just waiting on other things to kind of fall into place, that's so yeah. frustrating. Yeah, and you're so. like, there's no explicit yardstick here, yeah. <laughs> which I, I think also makes it tough because then there are times when you feel like there's not a yardstick to measure yourself by. Yeah. You start to question whether you measure up. Like you start to ask yourself the question, like, is the reason that I'm not seeing results because I'm not doing a good job or I'm not good enough at this? Like, I feel like that 
is yes. a question that starts to seep into my mind as well. As I start to go, well, maybe I'm not really cut out for this. Like, or maybe this idea was a bad idea or maybe mm. it's not working because I'm part of the problem, which I think is tough because there are times when you have to ask yourself that question, honestly, mm. not necessarily, am I not good enough, but should I be taking a different approach or those types of things? But I think there's also times where that's maybe not the problem and, yeah. and it's really just about patience. Yeah. yeah. But that leads to lots of other questions, including questioning your self-worth or your own abilities. In my experience, the people who rarely do measure up never reflect on whether or not they measure up. <laughs> so, so like the, the fact that you're wanting to think outside the box and see what other things you can bring as solutions are yeah. good. But I do think knowing you and knowing how you work, whatever the projects are, it is going to end up being just an element of patience for you. Because yeah. I know that for like highly performing, highly impact measuring people, the patience game is the hardest part. I know this because I married, yeah, like I married I, one I of those people. To accomplish stuff. <laughs> yeah, like it's, yes. the patience end is the hard part for you. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now it is time for search history. This is where each one of us peels back the layers of our internet searches to reveal whatever the heck we were searching. <laughs> it's a lot of layers to peel back so here. So many layers. <laughs> it is my turn this week, and there has been a lot going on that has made this search happen. Wookie Life Day. Whoa. Wookie Life Day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this sounds very fun. All right. Well, this has to have something to do with Star Wars, right? I mean, for sure. I mean, okay. So Disney Plus came out pretty recently. <gasps> oh, yeah. So we've yeah. got a lot of new Star Wars content. There's that. There's a new Star Wars movie coming out. Can I just say, by the way, I'm super excited for this movie. <laughs> All you haters for the new Star Wars movies can just yeah. Yeah. leave away. us to it. Yep. Yeah. Get out. Because <laughs> I love Star Wars, darn it. Yeah. And I don't care if they're not perfect movies. <laughs> yeah. They're my movies. That's right. right. And I love them. <laughs> yeah. And I know, Isaac, you're a Star Wars fan. Absolutely. And I'm with you on this. It's a movie made for children. So like, <laughs> if, if as adults we're mad at it, that's yeah. kind of yeah. indicative of how dumb we are. <laughs> They're good. They're good. good totally. Movies. So... <laughs> Star Wars, we've got a movie, we've got a TV show. I don't really know much about The Mandalorian. I don't, I don't know that there are oh. any Wookiees in The Mandalorian. But <laughs> Chewie has shown up in the yeah. new movies, and surely he's going to play a big role. He's in the trailers and all of that with mm -hmm. uh, Lando and the Millennium Falcon for Rise of Skywalker. Yes. So nice. I, I don't know. I feel like this is probably connected to like Rise of Skywalker in some way. Carrie, got any guesses? When you say Wookiee Life Day, it strikes me as some sort of like campaign of awareness. Like, you know, aware, like bring awareness to, to like, like the Wookiee's plight. Wookiees. Weren't they like taken into like servitude or something? Right. So after the events of the prequels. Yes. Right. They all get taken. Yeah. Which right. we actually see that. Is it Rogue One? Somewhere? So we see it's Solo. It's Solo. Have you seen Solo? No, Kara? I haven't yet. Oh, really? It tells the story of Han, right? Yes. And Han ends up meeting Chewie during the course of the movie. Okay. And yeah. kind of like rescues them and helps them out Aww. and then they go find a bunch of other Wookiees that have yeah. basically been put into slavery I guess yeah. on this that's planet fun. and there's actually a droid in that movie that's fighting for like droids rights Yep. so maybe that's this funny. is like fighting that's, for Wookiee rights that's what I was thinking yeah Wookiee yeah. life day <laughs> Isaac's going to become like a like, you, you protester know, or an activist for Wookiee Life right. Day. Like, I don't know what the mark would be. Like, do you have to wear Wookiee headgear or fuzzy vests yeah. or whatever for Wookiee Life Day? Maybe like the Day? Chewbacca mask, like Chewbacca that makes lady. Yeah, there you go. The Wookiee lady. I don't remember what her name was. but yeah. <laughs> Isaac's definitely like a social justice kind of right. guy. Yeah. He's pretty aware of like <laughs> activism and all of that kind of thing. So yeah. I would write my congressman about Wookiee Life Day. Right. <laughs> He's See? probably tired of hearing from me anyway about other things. And this would probably not. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's awesome. So you guys, Wookiee Life Day is actually a callback to the Star Wars Christmas special that oh. has been highly contested on quality and whether or not it should even be made. Yeah. It plays out like a fever dream, I will tell you. Like, you can find it on certain <laughs> right. corners of the internet. And the premise of it, it's like a pseudo Christmas slash Halloween thing for the Wookiees. Okay. And Whoa. this got started because the Wookiees, they celebrated it every three years on their home planet of Kashyyyk. Uh-huh. It's a big nerdy holiday celebration. <laughs> it happens on November 17th. Uh-huh. There's an actual date for it. <laughs> if you are watching The Mandalorian, you'll know that they sort of retcon Life Day because one of the characters specifically says, I I wanted to get home in time for life day. Uh-huh. It had never been addressed in any of the Star Wars movies outside of this holiday special. Right. Wow. So they're like bringing it into the larger canon They've of Star Wars They brought it back now. into it. All right. Nice. And here's a little bonus fact for you about the Mandalorian. You can uh-huh. tell that I've watched it multiple times. Yes. <laughs> the weapon that the guy is using was used by Boba Fett in the holiday special. What? It's like the original draft of the Boba Fett character. Uh-huh. He had this like spear gun. And the character in The Mandalorian uses that spear gun. So John Favreau, in his wisdom, <laughs> like decided, you know what? We're doing two things. We're bringing back the Wookiee Life Day. Nice. And we're also giving this guy Boba Fett's weapon from the Star Wars special. All right. So were, were you Googling this while you were watching the show or something? Is that what brought this back to your attention? Or were you just wanting to learn more about it? Or it was it kind was, of just, or? I had heard that and I thought, wait, Life Day, that's like the Wookiee Life Day. And You're then like, I, I had this. it all reconfirmed. Okay. I was like, okay, nice. I went through the Wikipedia. I have like glanced. I have seen portions before of the Christmas special Mm -hmm. and how weird it is. I've never heard of this. But I have not watched it from beginning to end. And it's been at least a decade since I've seen it, Uh which is probably why I don't have any memory of the the life day. If you want to spend a Saturday watching the holiday special, you need to do it. (laughs) You're not going to want to watch it, but you need to do it. It's an experience. Uh, All right. Well, maybe I'll watch that first before I get to the Mandalorian so I can have some context and and further appreciate that when I get to that. <laughs> Highly contrasting qualities there, but okay. <laughs> That's awesome. It's my turn for tier list today, and I am tearing up cozy beverages Ah. because it's winter now apparently (laughs) yes (laughs) yes. winter is not coming winter has arrived winter has come and i am all about the warm cozy beverages good call so we're going to start with the overrated category on the bottom Uh oh dear i'm ready to throw some shade at some beverages i know right basically i have one drink in this category there's probably room for more pumpkin spice latte i mean i just gotta it's gotta go i know i know bring it bring the hate why start being so wrong right (laughs) oh Why? I didn't know you were a PSL Why? person. That I've, surprises me. I it does PSL. actually kind of surprise me. I, I partake. Wow. Yeah. Isaac is so like Mr. hardcore. Black coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking a pumpkin spice latte. Yeah. Sometimes you got to put your Ugg boots on. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> the creamiest, non-coffeeest coffee drink in all okay, of no, existence. No, no, no. See, I don't agree with that. Oh, okay. Because. You know, She'll tell you why. I genuinely. It's usually why I like it. It's not sweet enough. It tastes like a vegetable <laughs> okay, so you're in coffee. It's not. <laughs> Somebody put like, why would you put a vegetable in your coffee and be like, this is a dessert. See, yeah. so I enjoy it because it is like on the more flavor 
flavorful side and not necessarily like a unicorn kicking you in the face yeah. of sugar. <laughs> At the cafe, we made ours with pumpkin puree and real marshmallow and some vanilla. Okay. And it was awesome. That's like a, but that's, that's a different that's kind of different. pumkin spice latte than And I don't know if I've ever had that latte. one because I feel like I need to try that to That's maybe. like hipster PSL. Like, yeah. We, we, yeah like it's actually pumpkin puree. Hand ground beans into the espresso. Yeah. Like it's, it's a whole thing. Because see, so. the PSL has gone through an interesting evolution over time. Originally, yeah. it was the hipster drink. Right. But then, yeah. like any good hipster thing, it became mainstream. <laughs> Once the normies got it. Right. It so uncool. now it's a normie drink. And so now you're creating the hipster version of the previously hipster drink. So I haven't so tried you're, that You're version. like a second level PSL hipster. <laughs> I'm sitting on my fixed gear bike right now. <laughs> That's awesome. We better move on. I agree Isaac with you, gets, just by the way. Okay. okay I, good. I think at least the original, like normie original. version, I guess. Yeah. Uh, next level is eh, not bad. I'm going to put uh, peppermint mocha in this category. So it's like a step mm. up. It's not bad. I like peppermint right around Christmas. Yes. And to me, we're not there yet. But peppermint tastes like Christmas to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, there's a, I have this like very one. strong connection between yeah. peppermint and like Christmas day. That's a good one. Maybe uh, a little peppermint ice cream. Oh, yeah. that's good stuff. At one time, I used to get this cinnamon dolce latte. So it's like cinnamon and caramel uh-huh. in the latte. And that was not bad. Okay. So that's that category. Not bad. We move up a category to I would not be had to drink that. Uh, that is, <laughs> That's one way to say it. And that is spiced cranberry cider. This is something that my Ooh. mom made growing cider. up. Okay. And so it's a very like nostalgic thing. So it's got... I don't think I've ever had that. Oh, you may not know this recipe. So it's like cranberry juice cocktail, apple cider, and then you put it in like a big Dutch oven on your stove uh-huh. and simmer it like all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put in like lemon and cinnamon sticks and cloves. I don't remember if there's anything else. And then it's this magical like. And the smells too. It smells amazing. I want to go to there. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Never sad to drink that. I I like cider a lot. Yeah. You would like this. And I would like that a lot. Especially with all the cranberry and the Mm -hmm. cinnamon. It's zingy. I'm sold. I would. Yeah. yeah, You would like that. Recipe, please. Uh (laughs) Another one would be the tea lattes. A lot of different kinds of tea lattes. Kind of in the London fog category. Uh, Love me a good tea latte you a chai girl okay so that's in the next category uh-huh. uh-huh. skipping ahead, skipping ahead. So, i studied uh, yeah <laughs> so the top category is shut up and take my money <laughs> so <laughs> now not just any chai here's the thing kennedy coffee in bentonville makes vanilla chai yeah and it's delightful yeah and i can't find it anywhere else that tastes like that it's top tier yeah. it's up there and also I have rediscovered my love for hot chocolate this season. Mm. So like a salted caramel hot chocolate yeah. or just regular hot chocolate and yeah. always with the whipped cream. So <laughs> with, the- <laughs> I feel like that should go for any, item well, on yeah, like almost the yeah. you're right. list, all of not. the list. Yeah. You're right. I, whenever I go into a coffee shop and the barista like looks at me and says like, whipped cream yeah i just kind of stare back at them you're like why like, would i why would you ask me that question? Why would you- <laughs> like, yes, i'm almost insulted <laughs> i know and then when they forget it's like oh man yeah so for this final tier i have brought to you a sample uh, of one of my hot chocolate creations okay. okay what do we got this is hot chocolate with hazelnut creamer oh inserted just for a little bit of flavor fun my so, mom and i used to do this it's yeah. basically like i like coffee drinks <laughs> but what if there was not as much coffee in the drink? Yep. And then you kind of maybe even realize, like, why is there coffee in the why drink is there, at all? Right. You know, I not? really just want chocolate. Basically. Yeah. And creamer, right? Uh-huh. Like, Pretty is much. that more or less the progression this, you went on? This seems accurate. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's fair. I'm not trying to criticize that. And, yeah. That's about where I'm at this season. Like, yeah. once in a while, still a coffee drink. But then I come back to it, I'm like, 
why don't I just drink hot chocolate? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think this goes <laughs> for like fair. coffee drinks or like alcoholic drinks or things like that. Like there's like this peer pressure of yeah. coffee or the alcohol or whatever it is. Like, yeah. you know, I got to have that in there. If you don't like it or if yeah. it's not. <laughs> no one's looking, man. Right. right. It's like, drink what you want to drink. The hot chocolate. I don't know. Yeah. I took a drink order about. one time and this girl said to me, I want this mocha latte, but take all of the coffee flavor out of it. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you hot chocolate. <laughs> and I did it, but I like, I put work into it and I'm like, yeah. I made it like uh-huh. a mocha. Yeah. Sands the double shot. And I was like, here you go. And she goes, this is what I've always wanted. <laughs> okay. Perfect. This is, I feel you. Now you're happy. I was that ya. person Kara? Go, go yeah. Them. It sounds like me. It was, it was so nice. Take all of the coffee flavor out. I dig this. This is really good. It adds a little bit of like a textury kind of aftertaste to it. Fun? It's, it's kind of fun. My mom and I used to do this and you can yeah. use any flavor, obviously, but for some reason we always did hazelnut. And I'm telling you this with real whipped cream on top mm-hmm. is just to die for. You could probably get your peppermint kick in this. Yes, as well. you could. Oh, yeah. yeah. Peppermint, peppermint hot, hot chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. I'm down yeah. for sure. Yeah. This drink is going to get me through a conversation on suffering here Good. in just a moment. I'm so glad. <laughs> All suffering should be prefaced with hot chocolate. <laughs> Today on The Conversation, we're talking about suffering. And you might ask, why would you want to talk about suffering? (laughs) Which is a fair question. It's a very fair question. Honestly, the answer is pretty self-evident, which is suffering is a part of all of our existences. Yeah. Yeah. Suffering is one of the things I think that can unite everyone in terms of a common experience. Like it's something that we all deal with. Yeah. And there's some really, really important questions as it relates to our Christian faith about suffering. If suffering is indeed a part of our daily existence, we have to grapple with why that is. Why would a God who we say is an all loving, all powerful God allow suffering in the world? This is one of those classic theological questions that comes up all the time. Why do bad things happen to good people is one of the forms that this question often takes. Right. And not just why are there bad people in the world? There's earthquakes, there's famines, there's fires, there's people that do terrible things to other people. How could a loving God allow all of this? And on the face of it, it's a really good question. Yeah. And it's a question that I think we have to grapple with. We have to talk about and we have to figure out because yeah. if we can't come up with a satisfactory answer for this question, what are we doing? Yeah. Like, well, everything else kind of falls apart. I think so. And it's something that everybody has to grapple with at some point in their life, like on their own. You come to this point where you're like, wait, what? This is mm-hmm. not the way that I thought the world was mm-hmm. supposed to work. Somehow, I think as Christians, we have this idea that overall, it's going to go well for me. Right. Like, yeah. And this is how life is going to work. And when we start running into those walls and discovering, no, it's not, it is super hard to wrap your mind around. I know I've been through a season like this and found myself getting stuck in this place of like, why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. And I think that the time to address a question like that is in a room with people who haven't recently suffered something <laughs> yeah. because I think really though like we have those questions asked right after a tragedy happens you mm. see it happening on the news after a fire or a mass shooting or something that you're talking about and people are earnestly asking the question how could your god allow this and right. I think that it's important for us to know that right then is not the time to start answering that question for them like mm. they're entitled to ask that question but I don't think any answer could possibly alleviate the grief and the pain that they're feeling And I think that's really at the core of what they're going for is why did this happen to me? Right. So there's no way to like answer that question in the moment 
to make everything okay to that person. So I think that now mm. is actually the time to say, well, let's look at this not from an emotional place of suffering, but mm. really address it as a concept. It's hard to have a discussion about that rationally when you're hurt. When oh, you're yeah. in the middle of that. For sure. Because at that point, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. And I think that in some cases is even part of the answer. So yeah. let's dive into this first question then at its most basic. Why do we suffer? But I want to start here for you guys. When you hear this question, why does God allow suffering in the world? What is your gut instinct response to that? I am very much the, hey, I got this. I'm going to captain my own ship. I know y'all need to consult with God about every decision you make. That's fine. But I'm going to keep driving my boat and Mm -hmm. I'll be okay. (laughs) And if I need God, I'll come up and ask a question. Suffering to me is a moment where my boat has nine holes in it and I have to figure out what's going on. And it pushes me out of that zone where I think I'm in charge. And I have to rely on God Mm -hmm. and repeatedly in my life. No other circumstance, conversation, experience does that to me the way that suffering does on different Mm -hmm. levels. I mean, it's not always a life or death thing, but there can be the suffering of a health issue or someone in my life being hurt or having hurt me. Those times of suffering are where I most go. I need help here. And it's help that only can come from God. Yeah. And in retrospect, I can see the growth that comes out of that. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. let's sit on that one for a minute and then we'll come back to Kara in a second. So I think more or less what you're saying is suffering forces us to surrender. Yeah. God asks for us to place our hope and our faith and our trust in him. I think one really interesting thing about suffering is that it reveals truth about where our hope lies. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes much deeper than we even know ourselves. Yeah. There's a lot of things outside of Jesus that I put my hope and faith in. Yeah. I think a lot of times I put my trust in my own resilience or my own Mm. ability because Mm. sometimes I think I'm pretty smart and capable. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Maybe it's our friends. We put our trust and our hope and our faith in the people around us to help carry us through something really difficult. Maybe it's a a spouse, a partner, a close Mm. friend, parents. Maybe it's our circumstances. Maybe it's our possessions, our money. Maybe it's our knowledge. We have a good education. Mm -hmm. We think we're really smart. I think there are a lot of things we can put our trust in. But when we face suffering, we start to see those things crumble one by one. At yeah. some point or another, all of those things are going to fail us. Yeah. yeah. When we're in the midst of hurt and pain, that's when we start to see those things revealed. Right. And we start to realize, oh, maybe my trust and hope and faith wasn't fully in God. Yeah. Maybe I was placing it in some of these other things. Mm. And now that I'm seeing some of these start to crumble, it forces me to come to this point yeah. of surrender that you're describing and say, all this other stuff isn't good enough. Yeah, I think that's a huge deal. If someone were to ask me, why does God allow suffering? I tend to filter everything through the lens of story. You think of every great story that you've ever watched or read or seen that has moved you. You can't have a good story without suffering. Mm. Some sort of a hurdle for the main character to overcome. And I don't want this to sound trite because we're talking about people's real lives. And I get that. But I think that's what story points us to, right? It points us back to this is how we grapple with the realities of our real life. There's nothing I love more than a story of redemption where you get to the end of the movie and you go, oh, man, that was so worth it. And it would not feel that way. It would not be that incredible without the middle part that really sucks. Again, I know that sounds trite, but I can't tell you how many times I've come back to this metaphor in my life. The middle of the story usually sucks, Mm -hmm. but you can't have the beautiful redemptive end of the story 
without that part. So in some ways, suffering is the very thing that gives us hope. Yeah. Like you can't have the end of the story without the middle. Right. It makes me think of a passage of scripture. It's Romans 5, 3, and 4 that talks about hope as it relates to suffering. Mm-hmm. And it actually kind of like draws a line between the two. So if suffering is kind of the beginning and hope is the end, it puts a couple of things in between there. So the passage that I'm talking about says, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. At Mm -hmm. one end, you have suffering. At the other end, you have hope. And then you have endurance, perseverance, character in the middle. But I feel like even though I've heard this verse a lot, I didn't really have a good grasp of really what it meant or or how you get from point A to point B or how all of these things interact with each other. And so I was doing some studying on this. The first step is suffering leading to endurance. I think in like the King James, this is also translated as patience. And a lot of times we think of patience as this very like passive thing. So Mm. if I'm being patient, I'm like sitting and waiting. Yeah. But if you relate it back to endurance and perseverance, that makes it sound not so much like this passive word, but Mm. really like this strong, active word. I can't help it because I'm a runner, but I think about it in terms of running a race. When you're running a marathon, you get to this point where people describe you hit a wall. So about 18, 20 miles into your marathon, you go, I cannot go a step further. My brain is telling me the suffering is too great. It's too hard. You can't go on. You got to stop. You got to give up. And to get through the wall, you just have to keep running. You can't stop. You have to persevere. You have to endure. You have to be patient. You have to keep going. And once you break through that wall, all of a sudden your brain switches back again and it goes, oh, Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're okay. I didn't You're die. You're still alive. You didn't die. Yeah. You can keep going. Mm. And so if we can have that perseverance, that endurance, that is what leads to the next thing in this chain, which is character. Sometimes we interpret character as just being like a good person, mm. right? Yeah. But really in scripture, character is referring to faith. Our faith in God is what gives us strong character. Yeah. It's not about having faith in ourselves and our ability to be a good person and persevere and endure. That perseverance gives us faith in God because God is the one that helped us break through that wall. Yeah. Right. It wasn't on our own strength that we made it through the wall. Mm. God brought us through and that builds faith. And then that is what finally leads to hope. When we have evidence of God's goodness in our lives, that's God taking us from suffering to the end point, redemption. That's really cool. And that's what gives us hope, redemption that's happening right now and redemption in the future as well. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that picture. And I've never thought of it in those specific terms either. And I think something to note is that suffering isn't something that happens to us individually while no one else is suffering at all. There's very rarely a situation that you're going through that someone else hasn't walked through, especially in matters of faith. And there's a way to connect with people and build up a support network of people who have been there with you. And I can't tell you how many times that I've asked a question to someone that I look up to. Have you gone through this? And the answer has been yes. And that's been an opportunity to talk with someone who also has faith and has been through that and can show me the other side of this is how God got me through it. It's always encouraging to know God moved in their life. It might look radically different in how God moves in mine, but there is an end to this temporary suffering. Suffering is a lot harder when we do it alone. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of these reasons as well. We've already covered suffering forces us to surrender. As you said, Isaac, suffering gives us hope as Kara brought up. Mm -hmm. And now, as you're saying, suffering draws us into community with others. Because like I said at the very beginning, 
suffering is one of the few things that we can say as a common shared experience among all people. Yep. Right. When we have shared experiences, that breeds empathy and understanding yeah. Yeah. and closeness and intimacy with other people hmm. because we understand what they're going through. Yeah. yeah. Nothing has the ability to do that quite like suffering. No. And I wish something else did because <laughs> that <laughs> right. would be fantastic. It'd be more fun. If it didn't have to be hard. But I think about relationships in my own life. The person that I'm closest to in the world is my wife. Mm -hmm. And nothing has brought me closer to my wife than suffering. Yeah. The shared difficult experiences that we have walked through are the very things that have given our relationship the most strength mm -hmm. and the most endurance and perseverance yeah. and all of those things yeah. we were just talking about. It draws us closer together. It gives us more trust in each other because we've walked through those things as a community. Mm. Yeah. And when we do that in other forms of community as well, it's so huge, whether that's with friends or with our church as a nation, people all the time talk about 9-11 mm -hmm. and the aftermath of those tragedies, how there's all this unity all of a sudden yeah. like mm -hmm. that, that comes out of suffering. Mm. Like why does it take 9-11 or why does it take some major tragedy yeah. to draw people together? It's because suffering. It's yeah. exactly what we're talking about. It's yeah. this shared experience of walking through something really mm. dark and difficult and persevering through it together. That results in real intimacy and closeness right. and unity. Yeah, I think about a few weeks ago, we had a tornado here in Northwest mm -hmm. Arkansas and it hit in our neighborhood. We found ourselves out in the middle of the street at midnight with chainsaws meeting our neighbors in the middle of the street. And we met mm -hmm. people through this that we'd never met before. People we had met, but we just didn't know. And all of a sudden we were all out there with work gloves and chainsaws and it didn't matter. People were walking around checking on everybody else. Yeah, Are yeah. you okay? Are you okay? Suddenly there's this incredible sense of unity. There's something really beautiful about that. If I can be nerdy for a minute and talk about Stranger Things. <laughs> Go be nerdy because I'm going to be nerdy right after you. So okay, go good. Make okay. Sure I'll get nerdy. Yeah, yeah. So Stranger Things 3, if you haven't watched it, spoilers coming. That season, more than any other, it deals with this question of suffering in a really big way. Elle, in the end of the show, actually ends up redeeming Billy through the power of their shared suffering mm. and her empathy. She has no power at this one point at the end of the season. And yet as she's in that moment with him, she reaches out to him in empathy and it changes him. Yeah. It defeats the monster. And it's this incredible picture. Later on, she reads a letter from Hopper and, and it goes on to say, when life hurts you, because it will remember the hurt, the hurt is good. It means that you're out of that cave. So they're rejecting nihilism. And the story says that grace empowered suffering creates empathy overpowers monsters and is an essential part of redemption. I love that. One reason that I'm kind of over all of the disaster societal collapse movies and stuff is that there's this image of, well, all it's going to take is the stock market crashing. And then all of a sudden my neighbor is kicking in my front door to get my beans or something. Mm -hmm. And that's not how this works. I mean, humans mm. are brought together in times of pain to work together because we have to be. The evidence for that is the fact that we're all here in an air conditioned building recording a podcast because <laughs> think about the start of all of this mm. we worked from pushing back the land suffering through wolf attacks as people <laughs> to build up a society and it's this mm. bunk idea that we're all enemies right under this veil of society but really it's suffering that has to kind of mm. get us there that's yeah. fascinating i've never really thought about that so fellowship and community is something that god created us for yeah. mm -hmm. and suffering is something that helps deepen it so yeah. suffering draws us to community. Suffering gives us hope. Suffering forces us to surrender. And I'd like to throw one more in here. 
I would say suffering brings us into union with Christ. Mm. And that's one of the key reasons why we suffer. When we suffer, we are experiencing what Christ himself experienced. Christ also suffered and sharing in those sufferings with him brings us into union with him. Scripture actually talks about to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Mm. In other words, like our sufferings are not merely our own. They're also Jesus's. And this Mm. is cause for rejoicing because it means that we're united with Jesus. This union with Christ is actually really beautiful because it means that we're not alone in suffering. There may be times in our lives where that community support around us that we were just talking about isn't there for us or fails us in Mm. some way. Community is so important and it's absolutely a big part of our support network when it comes to walking through suffering, Mm. but it's not the ultimate support network. And that's Jesus himself because Jesus also walked through suffering. He is sufficient to bear the burdens of our suffering. Mm. That's a reason to rejoice. Not only that we have a God who has been where we've been, that knows what it's like to suffer, but can also bear the weight of that suffering for us when it's too much for us to handle. Wow. Matt Mooney wrote a book called 99 Balloons. It's about his firstborn son, which he lost after 99 days. So basically, the book is all about him grappling with this incredible suffering that came from that. And, you know, he's just kind of reworking his entire framework of like, what is going on? He addresses kind of what you're talking about, Anson, how suffering uniquely brings him into union with God and says, you know, sadly, I spent the greater portion of my life attempting to convince God to come near to me that I was somehow good enough or possess the Mm. faith that was sufficient, which we all do that. And yet there he came when and where I least expected to see him. He came with the hurt, entering Mm. with the ache and refusing to leave at my greatest time of need. Mm, That's really good. So we've tackled question one, which is why do we suffer? Suffering brings us into union with Christ. Suffering draws us into community with others. Suffering gives us hope. Suffering forces us to surrender all reasons why God allows suffering because it's part of his redemptive work in us and for us. And that leads us to the second question, which is, okay, if suffering is a part of my existence, (laughs) if it's something that is going to happen, how do I deal with it? How do I cope with it? Oh, man. Just because you can come up with maybe some sort of theological answer, why a God who is loving might allow suffering doesn't make suffering easy. No. Isaac even kind of touched on this. Sometimes we have this desire to beat people over the head when they're in the middle of suffering with the concept of suffering is something that is good for you. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's going to get better. Right. And nobody that, needs that reminder right in the middle of right. it. Right. When you're walking through something really hard, someone going, it's good for you is yeah. not, yeah. not super productive. Right. <laughs> yeah. We have to kind of figure this out. Like, how do we suffer? Well, not that it's going to be easy if we get it right all the time, no. but how can we manage suffering? And then even further than managing it, there is kind of this sticky little thing that's in scripture where we're <laughs> called to rejoice in the midst of suffering I yeah. bring that multiple up. times, right? <laughs> right. And that's, uh, that seems hard <laughs> to Very. put it lightly, right? So first point that I want to bring up is expect suffering. Yeah. And I I, yeah. <laughs> I think this is actually something that can be helpful, even if it seems like it wouldn't be on the face of it. Something that happens to us a lot is something bad happens. 
and we are just totally derailed by it. And yet, if anything, we should be expecting suffering based on what we're told in scripture, right? Right. We're told over and over again by Christ and by many others in the New Testament that suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's a part of our experience. Mm -hmm. And Christ is an example of that, right? Yet we can't help but be absolutely shocked by it every single time that it (laughs) happens. And I heard someone the other day describe a, a really great metaphor that helped me understand this a little bit better. And they were talking about the idea of using a GPS, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this lady and she was going to an appointment about 45 minutes away and she had about 45 minutes to get there. And so she's kind of running a little late. She plugs the location into her GPS and takes off on the way to her destination. As she's on her way, she gets about halfway there when all of a sudden she runs into construction, right? As you do. The GPS says, oh, here's a detour, go this way, but there's heavy traffic and da, da, da. Mm. And so she starts to worry, right? I only had 45 minutes to get to this appointment. I was already cutting it close as Mm. it is. I don't have any extra time. I don't Mm. have time for these delays and these unforeseen problems and all the stuff that's coming up. Now I'm going to be late. She follows the route, gets about five minutes away from her destination and realizes, wait a second, I'm actually still running on time. Like, how is, how is this possible that I've gone through all that and I'm still on time? And then finally comes to the realization that the 45 minute estimate that she was given at the very beginning from the GPS took all of that stuff that she ran into into uh-huh. account. Oh, wow. Yeah. Google Maps or whatever can actually take into account detours, yep. and yeah. heavy traffic and build it into your ETA. Wow. So that 45 minute ETA she had at the very beginning included all of the stuff that she was surprised by. The GPS wasn't surprised by it because it knew that it was already happening. And I think this is kind of like our relationship with God, Mm. where we basically have this idea in our head that we're going from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. We're going to take the most direct route possible. We're going to go highway speeds all the way. Not going to (laughs) run into any traffic or construction or any of that kind of stuff. Just going to go from point A to point B. Yeah. Perfect plan. What could go wrong, right? Yeah. Then stuff goes wrong. Construction happens. Detours happen. Traffic happens. Mm. And yet God is not surprised by all that stuff. He knew it was there from the beginning. Mm. And so when we think we're off taking some crazy route through back roads and we got off track and we're taking detours, Mm. God's saying, no, that was part of the route to begin with. Right. I'm not surprised (laughs) by that. You're the one that thinks that you're off track, but you're right where I meant for you to be. And that's a total mindset change for us, I think. If we could look at those moments where we feel like, oh, my goodness, everything's going wrong. I'm off track. I'm out of God's will. No, you're actually right where I wanted you to be. This was part of my plan from the beginning. Mm. If we could understand that, that would be a total mind shift for when we're walking through those moments. Something that was really, really helpful to me in a season of suffering. It's a story again. I'm sorry I'm nerding out like crazy today. But Harry Potter, I read it for the first time, maybe four years ago, it was at a time where I was grappling with some anger about some suffering in my life. It basically put this whole complex thing about suffering into a story for me and went like, okay, look, I know that you don't understand what's happening right now. And it feels cruel. It feels unusual. It feels wrong. But there's a bigger picture going on here. Harry is someone who suffered incredibly in this series. And Dumbledore is kind of this character that comes in and is a sort of a guide for him walking Mm. through life and helping him process what's gone on. And there's a point in the books where Dumbledore kind of takes a step back and Harry is not being told everything and he gets really angry. Yeah. What is going on? This is not cool. This is not acceptable. And I remember reading that part of the book going, oh, I feel you. Yeah. I so feel this. 
in spite of that, he gets to this point in the last book where he has grappled with that anger and these different realities. And he's like, okay, I'm going to decide to trust. And he says he did not want to express the doubts and uncertainties that had riddled him for months now. He had made his choice. He had decided to continue along the winding, dangerous path indicated for him by Dumbledore to accept that he had not been told everything that he wanted to know, but simply to trust. Mm. I remember reading that and thinking that's really significant. But the best part is you get to the end of this series and all of these different pieces weave together and you go, oh my goodness, there was a point in that and that and that, all these little right. things that Now seemed, I can see the whole picture fitting together. Right, I see it and it's incredible. The story is so powerful, not in spite of, but because of all the suffering mm. that was part of the plan yeah. the whole time. And it feels weird and crazy and even a little bit cruel at times, but the redemption is just so powerful trusting that god has a plan that yeah. he's working it together even when we can't see all of the pieces expecting in some way that suffering is going to be a part of that story <laughs> the thing is sometimes it's still going to take our breath away absolutely sometimes you still just get punched in the stomach by something <laughs> and it's really hard to recover from that yeah and so how do we rejoice when you get socked in the stomach you know that's a that's a really tall order and uh, i just want to mention as i'm talking about this idea of rejoicing and suffering as we read this from paul and peter and romans and first peter this idea of rejoicing and suffering is not just advice about the power of positive thinking right no. like oh i just got socked in the stomach i'm okay everything's right. great like <laughs> it's not about tamping down the hurt or the pain no. or ignoring it positive thinking is not going to get us through the darkest of times and the hardest of times. No. Instead, this is a, a radical, abnormal, and most importantly, a supernatural response yeah. mm -hmm. to suffering. Yeah. It's not something that we can do by our own power. If it was something that we were trying to do by our own power, it would be completely foolish. Right? Yeah. Like, no one would tell you you should get socked in the stomach and then go, thank you. <laughs> right. yeah. like, I'm so happy about that. Th that's, that's a silly thing yeah. to do, right? Mm. But because this is not done by our power or for our honor, but for God's and by his power, all of a sudden this can start to make a little bit more sense. Yes. And I was reading an article this week that laid out the case for the idea of breathing. So when you get punched, knocks the wind out of you, mm -hmm. what do you need to do? Breathe, right? Yeah. And there's two parts to breathing, right? There's exhaling and there's inhaling. Mm -hmm. And so if we kind of follow this metaphor, exhaling is kind of like lamenting and taking our lamenting to God honestly. Inhaling is breathing in truths about God's character and who he is. Wow. And I think both of these things go hand in hand. They're both one part of the same action. Sometimes I think we get into a situation where we try to separate these two out and we try to do one without the other. Yep. And we really get ourselves into trouble when we try to do mm -hmm. this. The Psalms are actually a really good example of this process. A lot of times Psalms of Lament follow this structure where you have a few verses, maybe at the beginning, that talk about God's mm -hmm. character or maybe the evidence of God's provision or his faithfulness to the people of Israel. Right. right. Yeah. So they talk about God is great. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He's our redeemer. He did all this great stuff for us. He saved our forefathers. <gasps> That's inhaling. Yeah. And then <laughs> my enemies are around me. <laughs> we go, I'm in a cave. Yeah. Uh, my enemies are closing in. Everything. They want to kill awesome. me. Everything's yeah. terrible. Yeah. I'm drowning. <laughs> I'm going to die. And yeah. it gets really yeah. dark. Right. Yeah. But then at the end of most of these Psalms, there's like a stanza right at the end again that goes back to the inhaling yeah. again. Yeah. You got all the air out and it comes back to, but God yeah. is my provider. Right. God will take care of us. 
we can have faith in God and his goodness and in his yeah. provision for us. Mm. And I think that's a really good example of this process of exhaling and inhaling. Exhaling in particular, there has to be room for this. When we try to skip over exhaling and go straight to, it's okay, God loves you, everything is awesome. Yeah. Like we're trying to take suffering and throw it by the wayside and say like, oh, it's not really suffering. Mm. Like Christ didn't shy away from the fact that it was hard and that it hurt and that it was painful. No. And we don't have to either. We're not asked to do that. No. And the Psalms, again, are a great example of this. Like they don't pull their punches, the Psalm writers. No. Right? Like, they're very clear about crying out and pleading with God. And that's a good thing. Yeah. God yeah. wants us to be in relationship with him yeah. and, and crying out to him and pleading with him in the midst of our suffering is a part of being in a relationship. Yeah. Another thing Matt Mooney said that I think of is you can't accurately celebrate the victory over a loss. He refused to acknowledge yeah. those who are most hurt. He said will be the loudest ones at the party trumpeting death's demise. Yeah. When it comes to suffering, I feel like we're presented with two things. Stoicism basically says, pain and suffering is going to happen. The goal is to sort of outlast it similar mm -hmm. to how you kind of like board your house up for a hurricane and you're like, let's just <laughs> sit here. Right. And maybe if I don't set my own house on fire, we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of like poker yeah. face your way through it with yeah. stoicism. Yeah. The idea of biblical suffering is kind of this psalmist viewpoint where you're David going, help my life is crumbling. Yeah. But I know these truths. And right. I think that that's radically different than putting on your game face and just going, well, I am just going to outlast this storm right. by my <laughs> own sheer will. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and I think it's kind of a denial in some ways as well. Like or maybe you're sitting in your house and you're one of those people who doesn't evacuate. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they tell you, hey, you need to get out of here. This is going to be really bad. And you're mm -hmm. kind of like, ah. I've been through hurricanes before it's and you're fine. sitting there as your roof's getting blown off going like, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. You can only do that for so long yeah. before yeah. your house is blown away and you're forced to reckon with it. Yeah. That's the difference between experiencing suffering and actively acknowledging, learning from and moving yeah. forward through it. That's the difference between learning and just bearing. Right. And that brings us to the second part of this breathing metaphor, which mm -hmm. is inhaling, exhaling really important. And we have to give space to that. But there's a danger there, I think. Mm -hmm. And that is that we get stuck in the exhaling mode. There's not a lot of hope right. in just lamenting. Yeah. Anyone can lament, but where is that leading? Mm -hmm. And what that's leading to is breathing in truths about who God is or what God has done for you. His character, his promises, his previous wondrous acts in the world or in the lives of others, or maybe even about his record of individualized care for you. Yeah. What has God done for me in my life already through my previous experiences of suffering? Yeah. Yeah. And we can breathe that in through scripture. We can breathe that in through friends and family and people around us who can speak words of truth and encouragement mm -hmm. into our lives. Dream. But at some point we, we have to make that transition from lamenting into being filled back up. Yeah. With trust yeah. and faith in God, because ultimately that's what transitions us to hope. It's the combination of both of these things together, the yeah. full acceptance of our suffering and lamenting it combined with yeah. the grace of God in the midst of all of that hurt and pain mm. that makes the redemption and the hope that much greater. Right. Yeah. I think one of the things for me that helps me do that the most that helps me inhale is music specifically worship mm -hmm. music huge thing i think of some friends of ours that we met this last year who were going through some incredible suffering our friend titus he was 14 years old and passed away a few months ago from cancer and we got to spend some time hanging out with him and his family right before 
every time I think about it, I think about his mom saying these words to us. It's beautifully horrific. There's mm. no other words for it. It's horrific because I have to watch my 14 year old son walk through this and there's yeah. nothing like it. But it's beautiful because I see his faith. I see what God is doing. I mm. see the beauty of what God is. And she said the way that they arrive at that part of it, the beautiful part was worship. Yeah. Worship was the thing that they had to keep coming back through to right. keep breathing. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's basically what worship is. Reminding ourselves in some way exactly. of who God is. Song is such a good way of doing that. I love that description of beautifully horrific. Mm. That's all inclusive. And yeah. that's kind of what we're talking about here. This lamenting and this acknowledgement of suffering is hard and difficult is incredibly important. And we can do a lot of damage to a lot of people if we yeah. try to skip over that step. Yes. Also, in the midst of that, there is a point where we also want to turn our eyes back towards God. That's really hard to do. But worship is a really great way to do that because it lifts our eyes from our own circumstances back into heaven and the throne of God. And when our eyes are set upon Christ and who he is and what he stands for and what he's done for us, yeah. it changes the perspective of our suffering. Now it's time for our on repeat this week, which comes from Tadashi and Lecrae. It's Get Out My Way. I'll be honest, guys, I've kind of been surprised at the reaction to the song from our Real FM listeners. <laughs> yeah, I was not so sure how people would react to the song. We've had kind of some mixed reactions to hip hop in the past. Some people love it. Some people are, I think, are maybe kind of new to hip hop. Yeah, and that, that's me. Are still kind of onboarding <laughs> to the hip hop sound. And yep. get out my way. This song goes pretty hard. Because of that, I was like, I don't know if this one is really going to do that well. But we're going to take a shot on it because I think it's really good. Yeah. And so we started playing it. And this last week, it was voted as the number one song on Real FM wow. by our listeners in overwhelming fashion. Wow. Okay? This was like a beat down. The song was way, way up at the top. That's awesome. And I'm so happy <laughs> because I love this song. It's so so good. And I'm so glad that everyone else is loving it too. What do you guys think of this song? So I think if we're talking about the um, concept of suffering, I'm going to quote this lyric from the song. Uh -huh. Use my past like a flashback, overcome, moving past that, moving on, let the Audi run on the Autobahn, where the gas at. <laughs> I'm just saying, That's let's awesome. get into my genius mode. <laughs> Using our past experiences. <laughs> And seeing that Christ has got us through a bunch of things, we can use that as motivation. Look at that. To let the to let the Audi run let on the, the Audi run on the <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. Yeah, I like this song too. And I'm I'm one of those that's kind of a newbie to hip hop and it's super catchy. And it came on yesterday when I was at the gym and I was mm, I was good gym song. That was a great gym song. Yeah. Pretty sure you yeah. can run twice as fast or lift twice as much weight listening you, to this song. Yeah, pretty sure you can. Yeah. And your daughters really love this song too. That's one of my favorite parts of oh, Yes. thinking about them yes they're very into the song and they enjoy <laughs> singing it which yeah hearing tadashi's lyrics come out of the mouths of like yeah elementary or preschool aged girls <laughs> yes. is always entertaining as well yes you know to your point isaac i think we've talked about on the show before like tadashi has actually gone through quite a bit of stuff in his life if there are some songs on his album that really represent the exhaling part of the process of mm -hmm. lamenting, mm -hmm. I think this song represents the other side, mm. like kind of the God's got me, therefore I've got this. Yeah. yeah. 
all gas, no break. Yeah. 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 <laughs> We're full force with it. It makes me feel that way just listening to the song. I know. Like, I can't help but feel like I could go conquer some stuff. Exactly. <laughs> when I listen to this song, right? <laughs> yep. We've talked about the question, why does God allow suffering? We've talked about the question, how do we even potentially rejoice in the midst of suffering? How are you guys feeling after this conversation? I think it's a really great conversation. It actually feels very hopeful because without it, I think I get stuck in this place of nothing is ever going to change. There's Mm. no point to this. Yeah. And Mm. I have to deal with it all by myself. And I just think that's not true. Based on everything we've talked about today, there's a lot of... Yeah. And that's the recurring theme, isn't it? All of this comes down to God's redemptive work that he's doing. And that's hopeful. That's hopeful. And makes me think of this quote from Matt Mooney again. His hands are dirty with the toil of making ashes beautiful. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Afternoons with Anson and Kara from 3 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM. (laughs) Maniacal love.